This Motley Fool podcast is brought to you by Thumbtack. Thumbtack.com provides a fast and easy way to find and hire skilled local professionals. Go to Thumbtack.com to find pros for everything from home improvement to event planning to personal wellness and more. That's Thumbtack.com. Welcome to Industry Focus, a podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. I'm your host, Vincent Chen, and it's Tuesday, June 20th. In the past few weeks, we've spent a lot of time talking about retail, mergers and acquisitions within the industry, deal rumors. Well, the consumer retail world is not letting up, and today we will be discussing two big stories. First, Amazon's approximately $14 billion buyout of Whole Foods Market. And second, reports that members of the Nordstrom family are looking into options for taking their namesake company private. Joining me in studio is senior Fool.com contributor Adam Levine Weinberg. Thanks for coming to Full HQ today. Thanks for having me. You excited about all these deals that are coming up in in our world? Yeah, it's a very exciting time uh, for the consumer goods space right yeah. now. Uh, the consolidation, uh, you know, the struggles that a lot of the retailers are seeing, it's definitely gives us a lot of good uh, material to cover on the show, good topics to cover on the show. Um, and I think it's fair to say in this case, uh, for this episode, that you know, both of the target companies that we are discussing uh, or about to discuss have been facing headwinds within their industries. And you know they're going to continue to fight an uphill battle going forward, and that will be probably an overarching theme for the show, I think. Yeah. So let's start a discussion with the more recent and official announcement, and that's with the Whole Foods deal. So the news broke last Friday before market opened that Amazon would be acquiring Whole Foods. Uh, a brief rundown of the most important terms behind the deal: uh, Amazon will be paying forty-two dollars per share, which is a twenty-seven percent premium to Whole Foods' last closing price. And this is an all-cash deal valued at about thirteen point seven billion dollars, uh, including uh, Whole Foods' net debt. And uh, John Mackey will be staying on as CEO. Uh, and as a reminder to our listeners, uh, John Mackey serves on the board here at the Molly Fool. And otherwise, the Whole Foods brand will remain intact. The headquarters will remain, remain intact in Texas. And the deal is expected to close in the latter half of the year, uh, you know, barring any uh, hiccups, as we'll talk about. Yeah. So, Amazon, uh, the stock has seen a nice bump with the deal announcement, and there's uh, a lot of investors, and I think the media as well, speaking to the big opportunity that this presents for the company. Um, what do you think is driving the decision here uh, for Amazon to, to you know, want to make such a big purchase? Yeah, so Amazon has been trying to get into the grocery market for quite some time. Uh, obviously, Amazon is now. Well over a hundred billion dollars in annual revenue, and as you get bigger, I mean, one of their main ways that they've expanded is by gradually moving into new categories, sure. getting a foothold, and then getting really big in that category. So it wasn't really that long ago, fifteen years ago, Amazon was really just books and you know maybe some music and movies, and mm-hmm. they moved into electronics. They became really big there. They moved in to fashion. They've moved into food somewhat, but right now in food, they're still not a really big player. So in a few markets, they've got. Um, their Amazon Fresh service, which does home delivery, um, but it's more expensive than Prime. You have to pay about three hundred dollars a year to subscribe, so it's very convenient. Um, it's not especially cheap. Uh, it's really for people who want the convenience and are willing to pay, and it's only in a few markets. Yeah, They've more also- urban areas, denser populations, yeah. where that kind of service is more feasible. Yeah, and not even every urban market. Uh, you know, I think over time they could continue to roll that out, and maybe Whole Foods will actually help them with that. We'll you know, we can get into that a little bit later. Sure. Um, they also have their Prime Pantry uh, service, which is shipping things through their normal fulfillment network. That, however, can only do uh, non-perishable goods. So that's uh, an important segment of the market, but it can't uh, can't get the entire market. 
And obviously, when you're if you're not things that aren't available for same day delivery, you're not going to be able to to capture as much of the market because people decide you know a particular day they need an item, they want to do a cooking project. So if you can't get it to them right away, then they're going to end up going out to their local grocery store. So it's definitely um, an area where Amazon has a lot of potential. The grocery market is humongous. It's close to a trillion dollars mm-hmm. just in the U.S. So this is a big place where Amazon could continue to grow and you know get the next hundred billion dollars of revenue. So the question is, how does it do that? And the Whole Foods acquisition um, is definitely a big piece of uh, of creating a foundation for further growth. Yeah. So. You know, you talked about some of their more, uh, you know, call it online focus efforts, but Amazon's also, you know, had experiments that have uh, made headlines in the past year or so in terms of uh, some actual physical bookstores, and mm-hmm. then uh, the the experimental store that I think is still only available to Amazon employees, correct? Um, where uh, you know, there's no there's no cashiers, there's no checkout lines. It's all done. Um, uh, with the technology that they've implemented in terms of tracking the goods that you place in your basket, things along those lines. And now, I guess, here comes the grand experiment. Uh, if they're able to close this deal, uh, applying some of the innovative thinking and the resources, significant resources, uh, you mentioned that Amazon has, to the Whole Foods idea. Um, so, keep in mind, for Whole Foods uh, stock, it shed about 50% since hitting its all-time high in late 2013, mm-hmm. and it's lagged the market for several years now. Um, and so, this is probably a bit of an unexpected surprise for for shareholders. But at $42 per share, um, company uh, Amazon's paying about 31 times trailing earnings for the company. Uh, you have ultimately, though, uh, if you really boil it down, you've had struggling a struggling company, a week of results recently, but a very strong brand. What do you think about the deal that Amazon's getting? Yeah, so I think that uh, it's certainly paying, uh, you know, a pretty high earnings multiple. Um, but I think it actually makes sense for Amazon in that it does provide this foothold where now they have hundreds of stores under, you know, it'll still be under the Whole Foods brand, um, but under their corporate umbrella, and they can use these as, you know, for for a number of ways. There's a number of ways that they could get this into the Amazon ecosystem mm-hmm. um, and create a lot more value than you're getting just from being standalone Whole Foods stores. Sure. Um, and so, w- just a few of the things that you can think of. You know, how could this help Amazon? Well, f- for one thing, Whole Foods has a pretty highly regarded private brand, the 365 brand, which it um, sells in its stores and in the new 365 market stores that Whole Foods is open, which are um, targeted um, towards more price-sensitive consumers. So, you could easily see Amazon taking those items saying, you know what, we're going to make them available on Amazon.com. You know, huge increase in distribution, um, in market penetration, potentially. Um, and so, that's one way to sort of merge the, the Whole Foods brand and Amazon's uh, e-commerce uh, business. Other things that you could see happening here, uh, certainly, you could put Amazon lockers in Whole Foods stores. You know, if you want a way to drive more traffic into the store to increase sales at Whole Foods, and also provide better ways for people to pick up items, um, that's a great way to do it. It also might make it more feasible for uh, for Amazon to get into sort of grocery pickup options. That's true. Yeah. Um, you know, have some stuff shipped directly from Amazon to a locker in a Whole Foods, and then the fresh items are kept. Um, in the Whole Foods refrigerated sections, sure. you know, there's just a, a huge number of options. You could have uh, free grocery delivery from Whole Foods for Prime members. You could have uh, discounted prices at Whole Foods, like just a blanket discount for Prime members. Um, there's just a, a lot of things that 
that Amazon could do with Whole Foods, and it's not really, the, you know, there was a story in the Wall Street Journal um, just very recently talking about just how quickly this deal came together, and as a result, uh, basically it was in six weeks from when they they first met with Amazon to when they finalized the deal. So Amazon hasn't really um, figured out its its strategy for Whole Foods, other than that it sees a lot of opportunity and is willing to make the investments necessary to capture that opportunity. Uh, so no firm plans from Amazon on what's going to happen, but you can see that there's a lot of options um, for how Amazon can monetize Whole Foods. And the fact that it's paying like a bit of a generous multiple is not not that big a deal. You know, for Amazon, capital is very cheap right now. They can raise debt at a very low price, um, and they have uh, an extremely long time horizon, as as most investors understand. Sure, uh, that's a uh, that's a great glimpse, I think, into. Uh, you know what the ultimate combination could look like in terms of the changes and how you know Amazon will leverage this new asset. But uh, you know we've put a little bit of a caveat on some of our statements about whether this deal closes. Um, you know if the, uh, the deal ultimately happens, and um, the, that comes about because for the past couple of trading days, uh, Whole Foods stock has actually topped. The forty-two dollar per share offer price. Um, I think as of uh, right a few minutes before the show, when we got into the studio, it was trading around forty-three dollars per mm-hmm. share. Um, so, I think this is coming from some of the reports and also uh, speculation now uh, of potential rival bids coming from competing grocery players like Kroger or Walmart. Um, and you know, the idea here being uh, a str- uh, for a Kroger, for example, taking over Whole Foods. It's a very it's going to be a very good strategic fit. They're in the same business, uh, just to co- some of the cost savings that you could expect from bringing their supply chains together and things along those lines. Uh, probably hundreds of million dollars in savings, and also, uh, you know, part of that is strategic in that you prevent Amazon from having hundreds of stores across the country to disrupt the industry with, and you know that could be incentive enough essentially this competing play. Uh, how much potential do you think there is for you know a bidding war to happen in, in that forty-two dollars per share that? That Amazon currently has on offer, potentially going up. Yeah, I, I think it's possible, um, and I think that Kroger is the company um, more than any other that that seems like a plausible uh, candidate to try to make a rival offer. Sure. Um, Kroger is is just humongous. They have more than a hundred billion dollars in annual sales, so that they're not much smaller than Amazon. In fact, in terms of sales, um, the main difference is that while both companies have pretty low profit margins, uh, Amazon is is growing, and there's Huge long-term opportunities for margin expansion. Kroger understands the grocery business is always going to be low margin, mm-hmm. uh, and Kroger stock has just been crushed in the past uh, past week. Really, um, they le- released a, a bad earnings report just the day before this Amazon and uh, Whole Foods announcement came out. Then, with the the Amazon Whole Foods uh, deal news, Kroger stock ended up down. I think about thirty percent in the span of two days. You get a double whammy, so, right? So that that sort of shows what how what investors see the threat being, uh, and if, if the threat is really that large, then that raises the question: Well, okay, maybe Kroger should uh, should be willing to to make a deal here. Um, one of the problems is obviously the the purchase price is already pretty high, and now Kroger stock is trading at such a discounted valuation that. Um, unless you can raise enough debt to 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 do a completely cash deal, you're going to be selling stock at a discounted price sure. to make a deal happen, which is um, potentially risky. Or even if it's not as risky for the company as letting Whole Foods go to Amazon, um, it definitely could. It's something that the shareholders for Whole Foods might not want. They pre- might prefer the certainty of an all cash deal as opposed to 
uh, a part, a partial or complete stock deal where you don't really know what you're getting because you don't know whether Kroger stock is going to go up or go down. Um, I think that Amazon would probably raise its bid if it had to, um, because of the value of getting whole, you know that Whole Foods into its ecosystem, uh, and it certainly can afford to pay more. Whereas I don't know what Kroger's capacity really would be to to. You know, pay a really hefty multiple. Sure, but I could definitely see them getting into the the, the bidding war just because uh, adding Whole Foods would you know allow a lot of cost savings because they you'd get that purchasing power that Kroger already has. Um, that's that said, the main benefit would actually be just to prevent new competition um, from Amazon. The risk, of course, is that if if Whole Foods isn't available, that Amazon will just go it alone or buy somebody else. And you'll only have delayed Amazon's uh, sort of growth into the grocery category by a year or something like that. Yeah, this is a very clear indication from Amazon how seriously you know they are taking this opportunity, right? In, yeah. Within in the grocery industry, and um, you know when it comes down to it, I think that is a tough company to try to go head to head with in terms of resources and in terms of uh, you know the the partnership or, or the fit. I think that Whole Foods sees in Amazon, you know, these long-term opportunities. Uh, it's definitely very attractive. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if, if you look at pretty much any company that's tried to compete with Amazon, uh, in most cases, the results have not been pretty. Yeah. So before we move on to our discussion of uh, Nordstrom, uh, I want to thank Thumbtack.com for supporting the show. Thumbtack makes it easy to find and hire skilled local professionals for any project on your to-do list with no cost to search. Through Thumbtack, you can connect with professionals offering more than 1,100 different services nationwide. Thumbtack can give you what you need for your home, for events, or for anything in between. We are in the thick of this year's wedding season, and I know at least five different couples who are tying the knot in the next few months. And Whenever we get together, I hear about how hard it is finding the right vendors, having to juggle interviews and contracts. And I've been there myself, and I point them to Thumbtack, which offers everything from DJs to catering photography. Uh, even magicians and photo booths are covered. And submitting a request is quick, simple, and free. Just answer some questions about what you're looking for. Within hours of sending your request, local professionals will get back to you with custom quotes for your project or event. And Each quote includes a price estimate, profile of the business, and verified customer reviews. Then it's just a matter of comparing your quotes and deciding who best fits your needs. You can even chat with the professionals directly if you have any questions or need more information to make your decision. Thanks again to Thumbtack for supporting The Molly Fool. Go to Thumbtack.com to find and hire local skilled professionals for just about anything you need. Again, that's Thumbtack.com. All right, turning our attention now to Nordstrom, uh, another strong premium brand like Whole Foods, kind of the cream of the crop, I think, for the department store industry. And a quick history lesson, I think that's important to these latest developments. So Nordstrom was founded over 100 years ago by John Nordstrom in Seattle. And the Nordstrom family has been involved heavily in the business since its inception. Um, three brothers, uh, Nordstrom brothers, ran the business for I think for something like forty years. And as of today, the family owns about a thirty percent stake in the company. And a group of the family members, including several presidents at the company currently, yeah. have begun considering their options to take the company private. So, Adam, you follow department stores in Nordstrom very closely, and we talked about headwinds for the industry uh, and updates a few weeks ago. Can you give us some context, though, uh, quickly on the state of the business and why uh, the Nordstrom family is looking to take such drastic action right now? Yeah, so um, for, for several years now, Nordstrom's um, seen its profits compressing, um, and it's been a combination of two things. 
to some extent, it's been increasing competition uh, for department stores, both within the department store industry itself, but also, perhaps more importantly, from off-price retailers and from Amazon.com, to be frank, um, and, and some other online retailers as well. Um, and so, as a result, you've had uh, lower profit margins, even though Nordstrom's sales have actually continued to expand at a pretty healthy rate. Um, at the same time, Nordstrom has also been investing pretty heavily in its business, uh, both in order to protect it, um, sort of build a foundation for long-term growth, and also for specific shorter-term uh, growth initiatives. And so, as a result of that, uh, it's hard to to tease out exactly how much of its profit decline relates to the sort of increased competition aspect, and how much of it relates to the, the growth investments that it's made, which are going to pay off, uh, hopefully at least, in the next, say, two to three years. Um, and so, as a result, you've seen the stock really collapse. You know, as it, it hit an all-time high above $80, uh, and that was just uh, just back in early 2015. Since then, it's been pretty much all downhill. Um, the the stock just before the family announced that it was interested in this going private transaction, the stock was trading around forty dollars. So that was down by a little over fifty percent from the all time high. So you know clearly that shows that investors have have lost their patience with with Nordstrom, and aren't really convinced that the company has these great growth opportunities that management seems to see. And so that sort of raises the possibility. Well, if if it's not getting a proper valuation as a public company, then maybe it would make more sense to to be private. And uh, since the fa- the founding family already owns 31% of the business, if they can buy the rest of it, then that will allow them to to invest in in the company, and also to um, to just sort of ride out the current uncertainty uh, for the next several years. Uh, keep keep with their plan, and then see what you know what happens over the next five years. And then potentially go go public again, uh, you know, a number of years down the road, at which point uh, maybe the sort of storm will have passed and the company will be will get a higher valuation from the public market. Yeah, and at which point too, you know, they've had the opportunity to let some of those investments they've made uh, play out and mm-hmm. see how that how that works out for the company. Um, so in our previous discussions for department stores. You know, we've kind of touched on the fact that you look at Macy's, you look at um, even like a Kohl's and some of the other competitors for Nordstrom, uh, they are hurting even more so. And the fact that though there have been um, some you know weakness in the comps, for example, uh, at the company, it is not doing nearly as poorly as a lot of uh, other players in the industry, and that. Uh, you know, speaking to some of our other analysts here, and if you've mentioned this as well, kind of the fact that Nordstrom just gets lumped in with the overall weakness mm-hmm. of the department store industry. So Nordstrom stock is up. You mentioned it was down from its highs um, since this uh, news broke that the Nordstrom, some members of the Nordstrom family are looking uh, into their options for taking the company private. Uh, the stock's up almost twenty percent. And the market cap is at almost eight billion dollars now. And considering the premium that would be required to close a deal, uh, you know, the financial hurdle for the Nordstrom family is pretty tall. Um, what can we expect in order for a deal to happen? Um, is there going to be a lot of debt necessary? Uh, are they looking at deal partners? What's kind of the situation there? Yeah. So uh, a few more details have. Um 
come out over the past couple of weeks about what the Nordstrom family is thinking about, they've started a search for a, a private equity partner to uh, to do this deal with them. And so the goal was to find uh, another private equity a private equity company that would put in somewhere between $1 billion and $2 billion of equity um, into the deal. And then the rest of it would be, would be debt. So what you're looking at is, since the, since the Nordstrom family already owns 31% of the company, depending on the uh, the premium, you're you're looking at maybe six to seven billion dollars cash that they need to come up with to to buy the rest of the company, uh, and that means that after the private equity contribution, you would need about five billion dollars of debt. Now the good news is that uh, Nordstrom has an A A level credit rating, so it's it's well into investment grade now. Now it would get downgraded quite a bit, um, probably into junk territory, if you put another five billion dollars of debt on top of that. But when you look at uh, what interest rates are these days. The company can certainly afford um, afford to to make the interest pay- interest payments that you would have from another five billion dollars of debt, um, especially when you consider that they they might eliminate the dividend that they've been paying, um, which has been costing them uh, over two hundred million dollars a year, and you know that would almost be enough to pay for the uh, the cost of that that five billion dollars of debt they would need. Sure. Um, so so I think that. Uh, the company can certainly afford it right now. Um, the risk is that if business takes a turn for the worse, um, then these deals, which seem like they're fine um, from a financial perspective, uh, turn into disasters where all of a sudden you're saddled with debt and you don't have the flexibility that you need to to make whatever changes or just to ride out a, a retail slump. So th- there's definitely a risk in that right now the retail retailers haven't been doing very well for the past few years but the economy as a whole has been growing and so when the next recession comes around being a private company there's definitely some risk that if your comps you know comp sales fall by 12% or something like that like they did in the recession you know do you do you still have the flexibility to make your debt payments and not find yourself thrown into bankruptcy because of a short term um, decline in the market whereas if you've got an A credit rating going into a recession you can you know feel pretty confident that you can ride out you know any potential weakness. Yeah, and I think it's important for investors to keep in mind as well. Uh, you know, you mentioned uh, at the beginning of our discussion for Nordstrom. You know, just some of the context for uh, for the weakness in terms of increased competition, um, and there's also just some longer term I think challenges that the whole retail and apparel industry is kind of facing in terms of reduced consumer spending on that category of products uh, in terms of you know uh, you know people a lot of people will point to surveys among younger consumers in terms of what their priorities are for their spending and what their view is for uh, their apparel purchases in terms of you know Nordstrom obviously a more upscale brand yeah. that has helped them in the past I think uh, but now if they run into an issue of you know a generation of shoppers not being as concerned uh, you know with the high end brands or in, in general just being more price sensitive in terms of where their uh, spending money goes that being just a very long term challenge for the company um, but to kind of wrap up our discussion here um, I'd like to talk about if the f- they if the Nordstrom family is able to successfully make this deal happen and the story essentially ends for shareholders. Mm-hmm. Um, but what will the priorities going forward then be for the management team once they're freed, kind of, um, from Wall Street's more short-sighted view in terms of quarterly results? Like, what do you think some of the the, the opportunities are beyond that? Yeah. So there's really basically two theories about what the Nordstrom family wants here. So the the first theory is that 
um, what the family really wants to do is they want to make make the business great um, and, and continue to invest heavily. Uh, and so as a result, they need to be private um, in order to have the flexibility and not have to make their numbers every quarter mm-hmm. to make these really long-term bets, invest a lot of money. Maybe that means renovating stores. Um, in some cases, building new stores. A lot of it would be creating new online tools, mobile, you know, a better mobile site, uh, just different ways that you could uh, build up the company's e-commerce capabilities and its, uh, you know, figure out new experiences to bring into its stores to drive uh, a rebound in store traffic. Um, and the the advantage of that is that if you could really return the company to a faster growth trajectory, recently it's been low single digits. If you could get it back to high single digits where it was a few years ago, company you know would potentially be worth a lot more. Um, the downside is that it's not clear that anything the company could do would really get people going back to malls. It's just that the consumer shopping trends have gone so far against malls right now mm-hmm. um, that until you have a, a big shakeout in that mall sector where a lot of the lower performing malls just close entirely, um, it's not clear that you're going to be able to get m- more malls because just there's too many there's too many malls competing for the amount of traffic that exists, mm-hmm. and so getting more people into a particular store is a really h- tough hurdle right now. So the the other issue is that if you invest all this money, then in a downturn, where are you going to come up with more capital because you've already taken on more debt that's going to increase your interest expense, and while you getting out of the the limelight does give you some flexibility, you still have to pay the bills. Mm-hmm. So it only gives you a certain amount of flexibility to to invest more heavily. So the other sort of second theory on what they're doing is they're just trying to buy the business cheap, basically. And it's that they have a long-term perspective that the company is worth a lot more than what it's trading for right now. And if they can buy the whole thing for, you know, say, $55 a share or $60 a share, they're going to do that um, and wait for these investments they've made to, to pay off. Uh, just to give some examples, they've made a big move into Canada. You know, as of three years ago, they didn't have any stores in Canada. They now have five. Um, they're opening a sixth one in this fall, and then then they're going to start opening um, several Nordstrom Rack off-price stores in Canada uh, beginning next year. Um, up until now, they've been losing money in Canada because these stores are very new. People are still getting acquainted with Nordstrom brand, and they've had lots of pre-opening expenses as they hire staff in advance before they open the stores. Once you get open for a couple of years, then you can start making some money. And so those stores, which right now are losing money, um, hopefully in two or three years, become quite profitable for Nordstrom. Um, they're also opening a big flagship store in, in Manhattan. Um, they don't have any stores in New York City right now. Um, so that's a really big um, big opportunity for them. They're opening a, a smaller men's store in the spring next year, and then the really big store uh, is going to be a, a sort of full-line store in on, on 57th Street in Manhattan that opens uh, hopefully in the fall of 2019, assuming that there aren't any further construction delays. And that could be a, a store that generates you know $300 million or something of annual revenue, which is more than 2% of the company's sales from last year. So it's a really significant um, development. And in the past few years, that, that's been co- just cost and no revenue. And so once that store opens, uh, if it's as successful as the company expects, that could be a significant driver of revenue, uh, earnings, cash flow going forward. Um, just some other things that they've been doing is expanding the Nordstrom Rack chain, uh, building out their e-commerce capabilities. All of these things have lots of long-term potential. They just haven't really contributed yet to the bottom line in the way that the company expects for the long term. So the 
the the management team may just be thinking that, you know, we're going to um, take on this debt, buy the rest of the company, basically wait five years, continue with our, our current plans, but not increase our investment, just stay with our current plan. Um, and in five years, the company will be making, you know, higher, you know, higher revenue, higher earnings, higher cash flow. Um, and once investors sort of see that the business is stable, then maybe we can sell it for a higher multiple um, than what we bought it for um, and make a lot of money in the process. So I think that I think that there there's two different perspectives on what Nordstrom's the Nordstrom family could be doing. But I, I don't see the company getting really aggressive on investment. Uh, it's just it's too risky to take on a lot of debt and then also you know, further reduce your cash flow by ramping up your your capex at the same time. I think the company's made the investments that it needs for the most part. Um, it just wants the flexibility to sort of continue at the current rate rather than um, having to focus just on making a lot of money right now to satisfy Wall Street. Mm-hmm. Just trying to buy itself some time. Yeah, and I think it's important to note um, that besides some of the uh, the doom and gloom that we've talked about a lot for department stores, um, that Nordstrom itself does have its bright spots. A lot of the things that you just mentioned, uh, such as the the on- continued strength of the Nordstrom rack stores, uh, its growing digital business. Um, my last question for you: uh, You are a Nordstrom shareholder. I am. Very quickly, what is your take? Are you bullish? Are you happy about this, or what's your feeling? Yeah, so I mean, I think that the Nordstrom family sees the company sort of the same way that I see it. I think the company is very undervalued. If you just look at um, at sort of a, P, a very simple PE ratio, you'd think, oh, this isn't really much of a deal. Um, the Nordstrom is uh, their earnings forecast for this year is for EPS between two seventy five and three dollars. So right now, the stock's trading for around forty seven dollars. Um, that's almost 16 times the high end of its EPS uh, guidance range. If you think about a deal premium, you're looking at you know maybe 20 times or 25 times earnings. So that seems like a really generous offer, um, and I think that most shareholders, frankly, would be delighted to get that. Mm-hmm. Um, personally, I, I would rather stick around for another five years with the com- with the family. Which you know, if if the rest of the shareholders were to vote for um, a, a private deal, then I, I wouldn't have that option. I think that. Um, I think that Wall Street is sort of underestimating Nordstrom's resilience. Um, I also think that in the next five years, and possibly sooner, you're going to have a shakeout in the department store sector because there just are too many uh, retailers right now competing for um, the customer traffic that exists. Um, just one really recent development um, that may not come to anything, uh, however, still very interesting is that uh, a real estate focused investment management firm called Land and Buildings. Um, recently took a stake in Hudson's Bay, which owns the Saks Fifth Avenue and Lord and & Taylor chains. Um, and they proposed that, um, since the real estate of those chains is so valuable, why not, why not just shut down the companies entirely, or shut down some of the stores and sell off the real estate, um, rather than continuing to operate as department stores? So, if something like that were to happen, you'd have a really um, sharp decrease in competition. And that could uh, be really good for Nordstrom's business, obviously, because they could could certainly take over a lot of those customers since they're serving pretty similar markets. Yeah, assuming that you know they can make it through the turmoil, that that kind of shakeout will obviously be a big boom for them. All right, that's all the time we have for today. Thanks again for coming in today. Adam. Yeah, thanks for having me here. As a reminder, people on the program may own companies discussed in the show, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear during the program. 
Thanks, fools, for listening. Full on.